text is verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Father, bless to our understanding this reading and our hearing of your infallible in their word. Amen. Amen. Jay and I decided this morning what we're preaching in the new year. I've been doing, if you haven't noticed, I've been doing a mini-series from John's uh, writings as well as uh, the wedding. We had a wedding on December 30th here. And it was a glorious wedding, a glorious time. Some of you were here, and you know what I'm talking about. We had, um, it was uh, Jonathan Foster, PCA pastor, married uh, one of the young ladies from our church, Sarah Tuning, and it was a, a grand time. And I couldn't help but thinking in that, and they wanted me to preach from Revelation 19, which, by the way, John wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the book of Revelation, the same one wrote, who wrote this book. And I couldn't help but thinking during um, that uh, uh, wedding and uh, of the experience I had much earlier in the year of actually being at Cana in Galilee, where this text is. And the God's providential arrangement of being there before the troubles in Israel. Who knows when people are able to go back. And you can go back and visit Israel right now, but it would be, it may be a tough, a tough time. It's probably the best time to go. Frankly, there probably uh, hardly anybody there. But part of our, the, the itinerary, we were there with John and Marianna Smoot on uh, the occasion of their 50th anniversary. And we had talked about a renewal uh, ceremony uh, before. 
We happen to be, uh, everywhere you go in Israel, it's the same situation. You have, a, you have a church on top of a site. And 10 feet below that church is uh, often excavations of the actual place. And there are always two or three other disputed sites of that place where people, various tour guides compete for knowledge. But I happen to think um, that this is the correct Cana in Galilee that we were arrived at. And as we were there, and uh, there, there's a, a constant wedding renewal going on the top floor. And you get this uh, fancy certificate and it's like a wedding renewal mill. And it didn't seem like a very, uh, it was very touristy to say the least. So I said, no, I don't think we want to do that. But we went down below and 10 feet below uh, is a room that looks very much like an ancient room where a wedding reception would have been held. In the center of the room are, are large stone uh, pots or, or um, like little stone barrels that uh, they, the disclaimer, these are like the pots. These weren't perhaps the actual pots, but they were like the pots. And miraculously, for a moment, there were no tourists. I said, well, why don't we do a wedding renewal here? And so we did. John and Mariana had their wedding renewal at Cana of Galilee. What a glorious time in a few minutes that the Lord gave us that private space in this special place for that purpose. As I thought about today and thought about the Lord's Supper on the beginning of the year, and I thought about Jonathan and Sarah's uh, text from Revelation 19 of our invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Well, that's what we're invited to every time we come to the Lord's table. We're invited to an anticipation of the wedding feast that we will participate in forever. So that's probably more than you wanted to know about how I got to this text. So we'll get to the text. This is Jesus' first miracle. Why, why, why do I say it's his first miracle? Because verse 11 says it's his first public miracle. This is the uh, uh, first of his signs that he did at Cana and, and uh, Galilee, which is curious to me because it seems like a sign that he saw Nathaniel in the chapter one, he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree supernaturally and, and uh, that was part of Nathaniel's uh, calling. And interestingly, you find Nathaniel as uh, as one of the disciples is from Cana and interested, they always, like I said, they build a church on every site. And so the church that's the church of Nathaniel in Cana is like a, less than a hundred yards from the wedding feast. So, so this miraculous calling of Nathaniel and, and uh, Nathaniel being from there, it's, it's quite an amazing thing. Uh, but uh, this miracle 
um, is one that points to the significance of who Jesus is. And the significance of what God has given us as his people. As I, as I briefly said at the wedding, the Bible begins with a wedding. It begins with creation in chapter 1, and then it, the creation of, the culmination of that cre, uh, creation is God creates man in his image, male and female. He creates them. And then in chapter 2, we have a wedding. God looks at man in a perfect condition, alone, and he says it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And there is a wedding. He pulls a, a, a rib from Adam and he fashions a, a helpmeet for him in his image, completing the picture, the outline that we have in chapter 1 of Genesis. He made them male and female in his image. And just as John's gospel begins with Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, the eternal Son of God, present in verse 1 at the creation through whom all things were made through him, it says in, in verse 1 of chapter 1. In chapter 2, similar to Genesis chapter 2, you have Jesus attending the wedding. It is one of those incredible pictures that you have all through the Bible of, of parallels. You have Jesus beginning his ministry by crossing uh, the Jordan to be baptized in chapter 1. We have the Holy Spirit coming on him and affirming him. We have him calling his disciples. And then we have him entering into this wedding with Mary. It shows the significance and the importance of marriage. Every time I do a wedding, I read that formulary in our Book of Church order. And, and uh, sometimes people will bring me an Episcopal service they want to do, and it's a wonderful service. And we, we Presbyterians stole it from them, I think. Or they stole it from us, I'm not sure. It says the same thing. Our Lord Jesus sanctified marriage through his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. Marriage is important. It is at the heart of God's plan. Not only for the human race and the propagation of the human race, but of his plan to save humanity. Whether you're married or not, you're married to the Lord Jesus if you're a child of God. You are his bride. You are part of his bride. Whether you're male or female, you're part of his bride, the church. And there is no more glorious thing in a wedding than to be the bride. What is the focus of the wedding? I tell the groom every time I, we get to our last counseling session, and it's always about the wedding. I said, what's the focus of this wedding? It's the bride. What is the focus of Jesus' affection? 
Why did, of all the ways that God could have ordained salvation of mankind, what did he choose? He chose the imagery of a marriage. In the passage in Revelation, beginning at chapter 19 and going to the end of the, uh, end of the book, which leads us to all eternity, the significance of the wedding is that we will feast in the presence of God and joy forever because of what he has done. I would ask you, I just ask every single one here this morning, is Jesus the most important person in your life? We have Paul Tamerling doing a wonderful class on marriage. You, you, you can always jump in at the end of it. It's, it's, he's well on the way, but um, he, he made such a great point in that class this morning. You've got to learn to forgive in marriage in order to have a good marriage. And you have to learn to ask forgiveness. And the main reason that you have to ask for forgiveness is not for your relationship with your spouse. It's for your relationship with the Lord. And that's so true. Is Jesus the most important person in your life? Do you recognize him as the source of life? See, this is what Mary did. Mary comes up to this, uh, they come to the wedding. The disciples are invited. He's there with his disciples. And the most major fall of all wedding disasters in the ancient Middle East occurred. They ran out of wine. In the Jewish understanding of weddings, if there's no wine, there's no wedding. There, were, there, 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 there is no, uh, it was a symbol of the wedding. Very much like the Lord's Supper, we have the we have the the, the cup and, and the bread and the wine. I know it's grape juice, but I call it wine because it's sat out and fermented a little bit. A food scientist told me that by the way. So don't worry about it. Do you recognize what it means? His hour, Jesus says, my hour has not come. That's an, that's a, a, an expression that means my, my, the time of my death has not come. Everything is appointed in my life. Why are you asking me that they have no wine? And he's trying, and he's making a point through the word of God to Mary, through, through the word of God to us, that what is important is the end of everything in his ministry, which is his death. What we say, that's why the Apostle Paul, when he institutes the rules for the Lord's Supper, he says, we proclaim his death. Every time we partake of this meal, we partake of his death until he comes again. Mary is very perceptive. 
This is not a rebuke of Mary. It's just, it's, Jesus is just making a statement about his life. This is the beginning of my public ministry. The time of my death has not come. And she says something very perceptive. And this is something that, that if, you're, if, you're, um, if you learn nothing else from the sermon, you should apply this. Is, do what Mary said to the servants. Do whatever he tells you. You want to know the secret of the Christian life? There it is. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And whatever you read and hear expounded from his holy word is what he is telling you to do. Now, here it's different. <laughs> He's living in this world. He's giving us his word. There's six water pots here. Six stone, big stone jars that hold 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And fill them, fill them with water. Jesus' first miracle is a miracle of hope and joy. I mean, we, we can't fully we can't fully appreciate the the uh, the the shame and the humiliation that this couple and this fam these families were about to endure because they had run out of wine. Because we we can't we can hardly relate to that culture, but I think we have a little bit of it if we if we were we were having guests over. We think we're going to run out of food, and and that would just be the worst thing possible. And that that's the kind of emotion. But ramp that up many times over, and that's the kind of emotion that they're feeling. And Mary is 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 speaking to her son about this uh, disaster for this family. It's about to, they're about to have social ruin and community embarrassment. And so he takes these water pots and he, the jars are filled with water and he turns them into wine. Wine is a symbol of life and joy and happiness. Even today, the, the Jewish toast, if you go to a Jewish wedding, it's, it's all about the cups and the wine and when they're taken. The toast is l'chaim, to life, to life. It's a symbol that we take to heart still this Lord's Supper that we observe is the is the last is probably the last cup of the Passover meal that was taken and 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 turned into this covenant meal. A symbol of life, a symbol of joy. This is what Jesus does in this first miracle. But why? Why this miracle? Like every other miracle that Jesus will perform, it's for his glory. The reason for Jesus 
doing miracles was to glorify himself. There's no other prophet, there's no other priest, there's no other apostle, there's no one else who does a miracle in the Bible who does it for his own glory. Only Jesus' miracles are for his own glory. They are to magnify and exalt himself. That's why he does what he does at this wedding. At this wedding. And why does he do it? Because he is God. He is also man. He is fully God. He is fully man. We see he has a human mother who has a very motherly concern for her friends or relatives, perhaps, at this wedding. We don't, it's, it's interesting, the couple is not named. The family who is getting married is not named. There's no record of who they are. What's important, and this is a lesson for weddings, what, what's important at the end of the day is that Jesus is the center of the marriage. No one, no one remembered their names. No one, no one uh, worried about who was sitting at what table or where. You know, all the things you get into weddings can be a strange event. I, 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 I've done a few weddings this year. I've done, in 40 years, I've done a lot of weddings. And I've seen a few things. Most of them have been incredibly joyous and wonderful. Like this year is like the, the top of the chart for weddings for me this year. And I think that's because in every one of them, the focus has been on Jesus. On his honor and his glory and a desire for him to be at the heart of it. That's the reason he does it. That's the reason he puts us in, in marriages. That's why he that's why he 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 made us to glorify himself. And the result of the miracle is this of him glorifying himself in the miracle is his disciples believe in him. Note, note that, verse 11. This is the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. The whole purpose of John writing this epistle is that, that, uh, is, is that Jesus would be revealed. You can, you can read that over in the John chapter 21. These things I've written in order that you might believe. And then believing that you might have eternal life. That's the reason for his epistle. You see it at the end. You see it here at the beginning. God wants to glorify himself by his people having faith and trust 
in Him. As we come to the Lord's table, I would ask you, what is your faith and your trust in this morning? Are you answering? The command that Mary gave to the servants the same way the servants answered, we're going to fill pots of water. That's what Jesus tells us to do. What is Jesus telling you to do today? It, it could be different for everyone, but he's telling us all that we need to repent as we come to the Lord's table. Recognize that just like John and Marianne renewed their vows, I've done several vow renewals one this year, I've done several in the course of my ministry. It's always appropriate to renew our vows, our commitment to our spouse. But that's essentially what, again, what this Lord's Supper is. It's a vow renewal. Jesus, as he began his ministry, what did he command people to do? He commanded them to repent, to change their mind, change their heart, and put their faith and trust in him and live for him. He commands us in so many ways to quit worry, to quit seeking uh, our own, own selfish interests. To, he commands us to seek first His righteousness and His glory. And when we do, all these other things will be added to us. Who are you trusting in now? Who are you listening to? I urge you to believe in Jesus and repent and turn to him and he will fill your life with joy and hope and he will take away shame and embarrassment and give you joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great truth of the gospel that Jesus demonstrated by his first miracle at the wedding feast in Cana. As we think of a new year and new beginnings, may we begin it, begin it by doing what Jesus tells us to do, to repent and believe and follow him. We ask for this now in his precious holy name. Amen.